0: All right, welcome back to the Equipped, Bruised, Tired podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Bryce Krawchuk. Hello. And uh, yeah, it's been another good week and another good uh, interview. We'll get to in a few minutes here. But how's things uh, over in Calgary town? Good,
1: man. Um, finished up the block. Hit some uh, all-time PRs. Um, yeah, we saw that. On, on bench, like a substantial all-time PR. I think it was fifteen ki- well, 14.5 kilos uh, over anything that I had benched previous to this block. So I hit my 200 kilo bench. It was probably at nine. Um, one of my pecs has been giving me a little bit of guff since all of my training loads have just like gone up 10 kilos across the board this block. Uh, so I decided not to push it and then kind of like felt something pull just a little bit in my left pec on my back down work anyways. So I'm glad I didn't go any heavier and that's, I mean, already feeling better by now. So, um, And yeah, hit my first all-time squat PR in five years. All-time raw squat PR in five years. Right. So uh, yeah, squatted 700 pounds for the first time. I think depth was there-ish. <laughs> it looked looked okay to me. Three-way and, lights for uh, me. You know, you know my yeah. motto. <laughs> yeah, I was happy with it, man. Um, And then pulled 360 for a double. Um, Decided not to go any more aggressive than that after had taking a huge jump the week before and how beat up I was feeling after squats. Like I hit my top single, did one rep of my back off work and my hip was like, whoa. <laughs> so I just like left it for a few days, but I was able to pause squat and everything. So it's not like I set myself back. It just was, that was enough work for that day. I think. Um, yeah, training went really well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Apparently where, how about you for, um, for raw deadlift, 364 double best be close to what your best is.
1: Yeah, I think that puts me at a pretty hefty projection, maybe even over four. Um, yeah. My best draw is 375, so 360 uh, for two at like around an eight is is pretty good way to end that block too. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's a good block when all your all your lifts are up. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: one of those rare rare blocks too. I think <laughs> like it doesn't always come together like that. It helps when you, like, don't push your raw lifts for two years and then come back to them when you weigh 15 kilos more. And you're like, well, I wonder what I can do.
0: Maybe I should try that. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go, man. That's the (laughs) secret sauce. Secret strategy.
0: Cool. Yeah. I don't know. Training here. I was on a pivot here. So it's been pretty low intensity. And basically, Mike said kind of just take it pretty easy on lower body stuff. Let the adductor issues kind of heal up. So, uh, kind of cycling back in the McGill big three every day, um, doing a few corrective exercises, that kind of stuff. And, um, but everything's starting to feel good. No aches and pains are all starting to go away. Shoulders starting to feel better. So, you know, one more week of pivot here and hopefully we can get back into some, some productive training. We'll, we'll see, but yeah. yeah are you gonna are you gonna try to get back into some equipment here
1: or what are your thoughts like obviously this will be proximal to if not the you know uh, I guess not the block for worlds but this will be the like two blocks out more or less I'm just assuming your your block length but
0: um, I kind of told Mike that I'm gonna try to be the responsible lifter and let's take a step back maybe do some single leg work try to, make myself better a year from now mm-hmm. rather than uh, you know as much as that the meathead in me wants to throw soup bottoms on and try to squat, and just be whatever. like yeah
1: my hips will be fine yeah I have my adductors thing. yeah
0: like i i did that once before uh 2000 after 2008 worlds going into 2009 arnold's uh i could not raw squat without pain mm. so from i want to say the bar up i was in soup bottoms okay and uh i mean i squat a pr at the arnold uh, <laughs> and then a month later i blew my back out at nationals so right. i'm gonna try to you know learn from my from my history uh, wow. which is which is tough sometimes it's but an
1: advanced tactic i feel like
0: yeah i'm pretty stubborn sometimes and i like just think that now will be different but yeah yeah so I'm, i don't know we're gonna try to uh, maybe do some corrective stuff and hopefully make me stronger for it good but good good
1: and you sure you saw the um the uk i believe has pulled out of classic worlds as well now
0: yeah it's and i mean it makes sense there's no real answers happening Mm -hmm. and i mean it's i don't blame countries for not wanting to uh, put their lifters at risk right absolutely in the end if they're team goes and everyone comes back you know infected it's not gonna look good
1: and it just doesn't do anybody any good in any way like
0: yeah absolutely um so i mean it makes sense Uh, as much as i'm you know an optimist at heart i'm Mm -hmm. kind of thinking that 2020 might be uh the year of no worlds
1: not really a big (laughs) meat or uh, like a big meat year yeah
0: yeah so um i would I would love to go back to Norway. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hope it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Marta told us that they'd be making kind of a final decision in In June-ish. So, um, you know, I guess it won't be more than a couple more weeks before we find that out, I guess, and see what goes from there. But I I just, it's so funny, though, because, like, we were talking about um, um, Oliver Uh, Dahlquist uh okay, foreign yeah, yeah. keel squat yeah this that week was and awesome. like he's in sweden right uh and they're obviously still training in groups no one's wearing masks and
1: they've kept gyms open in sweden from what i know um, as far as i yeah normally they they uh, from talking to a few people in our community from sweden they've kind of like tiered the approach so if you are at risk then you sort of shelter in place and if not try to go about your business and you know be decently smart I guess Uh, I'm not really privy to exactly the regulations or anything but as far as I know gyms have not closed there yeah throughout
0: this so it's interesting to see the different methodologies being taken about by each country Mm -hmm. and kind of what that might mean for international meets this year really right yeah
1: I thought Owen Hubbard posed uh, an interesting question in that, okay, like the U.S. isn't sending a team, the U.K. is now not sending a team, how many more teams pull out before they cancel it, or are they going to host Worlds with whatever's left, you know what I mean?
0: With just Belarus? Yeah.
1: Or, or whatever. I mean, I don't know. There's probably some other countries that are maybe proximal that have similar approaches or, or, you know, regulations or lack thereof in regards to the whole outbreak. But uh, it just, you just kind of wonder how that's all going to progress. I don't know yeah. if there's been much official word on anything really.
0: No, because what what are the dates on that? August? I think they moved it to October. Oh, it's October now. I,
1: okay. I want to say October.
0: Right. Yeah, that sounds right. So... Yeah, I mean, you have to assume at some point here, they will have to make a decision if they're still going to go ahead with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just thinking as a meat organizer and you're, I assume you're going to have deposits on hotels and hotel rooms and you're going to have to cut and run at some point before, you know, you can't get your deposits back we'll unless they're all that past that point.
1: It's the championship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
1: So our interview today is going to be with Miss Natalie Hansen. Now, Natalie's been powerlifting since 2012. So she started around the same time that I got into powerlifting, actually. Uh, She's done 32 powerlifting meets. 18 of them have been first place finishes. So she's no stranger to being on the podium. Um, She's got a current world record squat of 273.5 kilos. She's got a 619 dots equipped, a 468 dots raw. She's a three-time IPF world champion and the founder of Corvus Strength Co. where she works with athletes as a coach. Uh, She's also done a lot of work in terms of uh, raising awareness and money for suicide prevention in her home state of Alaska. And uh, we get into all those kinds of things as well as the strength representation data database, uh, which she's working on or partnered with the developers of to try to increase the visibility of women in the sport of powerlifting and in strength sports. So a lot of really fantastic information. Uh, we had a great time chatting with Natalie. So we hope you all enjoy the interview and we'll see you next week. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast with us, Natalie.
2: Happy to be here.
1: You're kind of a, an equipped lifting icon. So it's uh it's cool to have um, people who've been doing this at a really successful level come on and talk about uh, what they like about it. I mean, I think one of our big goals with the podcast is to get people stoked on equipped lifting, and I think that uh, hopefully you sharing your insights and stuff will help us do that more furthest.
2: Yeah, I hope so too.
1: More to. I, I don't know that I would,
2: I would consider myself an icon. I think I would consider you an equipped icon.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I'm just a raw guy who wandered across the street, more or less.
2: Found himself on the wrong side.
1: Yeah, wrong side of the tracks and then decided I didn't want to go back. It's because
0: your knees hurt too much from the wraps.
1: It couldn't go back, really. Yeah, Yeah, Everything was was numb from the knee down. I didn't know what to do. I was confused and frightened, and here we are (laughs) preaching the gospel. (laughs) um so I I guess on that note what uh what crossed the street for you what what brought you across the street or did you did you start equipped or kind of how was your your introduction to equipped lifting and then like what made you fall in love with it
2: Mm -hmm. um so I had kind of a drawn-out start to powerlifting I did CrossFit kind of competitively and really enjoyed it but I mostly enjoyed the strength focus uh of some of the various workouts and stuff like that so I just always found myself gravitating toward that um and a few years into competing in CrossFit um the state chair of Alaska came into our CrossFit gym and was like who benches 165 pounds like who has a bodyweight bench and I was like that's mine. Like, you know, what's what's the big deal? Is that good or um, something? Or? Yeah. And he invited me to compete in like the upcoming meet or that was the, you know, like a few months later. That's and right. I was like, yeah, why not? You know, it's like it's cheap to sign up and one of, you know, like a few friends were doing it. So I just figured I'd do it. And I still like, even though I had a really like successful experience mm-hmm. uh objectively, I was still not really like sold on it. I thought it was kind of boring because I came from mm-hmm. a a sport where you do kind of everything um and so I did that meet and then um Larry and Priscilla came to our CrossFit gym a few weeks later and taught like a really brief kind of seminar and it was just a few hours and it was only women and it was it was really cool and they told us just some kind of their like stories and and just if you've ever talked to Larry about powerlifting like he can he can sell almost anyone on powerlifting like he just just the way he talks about it it's like oh this is cool like this is badass okay. um, so i kind of got i was a little bit more in, interested after that experience and um and then did another meet and qualified for nationals i set some national junior records at the meet and uh still you know I, so I, I was like i'll do nationals like sure that's fine and Kind of during all of this, I started following Priscilla a little bit closer. And mm-hmm. she was this was 2013. So she was just going to uh the World Games in Colombia. Okay. Okay. And I still like at this point, I still had never really watched powerlifting. And so I'm like watching the live stream of the World Games in, in Colombia. And I'm like, why are they what are they wearing? Like, what is this? Okay. <laughs> and I because I still hadn't seen like equipment in in real life or anywhere and I see them like they look like zombies like why are these women walking around with their arms sticking out like this is the strangest thing
1: getting hoisted and up the stairs. yeah
2: yeah they're getting carried around like and I'm like okay I don't know about this stuff like this is strange but did raw nationals qualified for the Arnold and just kind of like slowly, this was over the course of about a year, just slowly started getting a little more interested. And, and then when I qualified for the Arnold, um, I had sort of been working with Matt Gary for programming. And at that point, Matt, I said like, Matt, I want you to coach me and I want to do the Arnold. And he was like, well, you like, I need you to drop the CrossFit stuff. Like you got to stop with that. And I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm in, I'll do it.
1: Nice.
2: Um, So I did it and had a, you know, I I got really strong really quickly and it was very enjoyable. And still I was just raw. And um, I can't really remember exactly how, but Priscilla and Larry one time showed up to the gym. Like this is a couple years later, um, showed up to the gym with a squat suit they thought would fit me and like literally just put me in it. And Priscilla wrapped my knees and they put four plates on like 400 pounds on the bar And Larry's just very calmly like telling me how to squat in the suit. And I did a a couple sets and I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. Like, I'm not sure what you expect expect to happen here. And, uh, but that was my first exposure. And it was literally just the three of us. Like I was just doing my workout one day and she showed up. She's like, make sure you wear leggings today. And she just showed up with a squat suit and like put it on me. Um, and she just annihilated my knees. Like, annihilated me. I was bru- like swollen <laughs> like and 100%
1: bruised. 100% rap first yep. time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was she was giggling like she thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and and I, um I like left like the next morning I woke up and I was like what in the world happened to me? Like it was it looked insane. I still don't know if I've ever seen bruises like that on somebody, but I also don't think that people are very often getting like 100% <clears throat> wraps brand mm-hmm. new. So, um It was always like introduced to me as this is what you kind of strive to graduate to like this is the net like you you build raw strength you build a baseline um you get your technique dialed in and then you put gear on like that's the next natural step and there was and just based on my understanding like there was not really a question about it um It wasn't like an
1: if, it was a when kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So I was pretty excited when my squat, I think I was squatting um, like 170 or something like that. And they were like, all right, it's time. (laughs) And like put me in wraps. And uh, I was training in Texas that summer with uh, like Gene and Ian Bell. And um, that was my first summer doing any sort of wrapped squatting. And they didn't, we didn't have any gear around that fit but they had a bench shirt like some hand-me-down random bench shirt like you couldn't even read the serial number on the tag like no one knew where it came from uh no one could even really identify what it was they were like it's kind of an f6 but it's got like some weird stitching like we're not really sure um (laughs) and uh i wore that shirt for like three weeks and then competed in bench nationals which was in san antonio that summer so it was close by um and I benched 147 and a half, I think, something mm-hmm. around that. Okay, um,
1: it, so this was like 2015
2: ish. 2014. 2014. That was my, okay. so, so I just did a bench only bench nationals because it was down the street to kind of pro, like learn. And mm-hmm. then from there I was like, all right, let's 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 do this. Like I did um, and then 2015 was my first open nationals, and that's basically the rest is history, I guess.
0: Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a few, uh, kind of like areas I want to kind of explore in that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, first, um, so you started training around someone like Priscilla who, I mean, a legend in the sport, really like a superstar. Um, she's not been active lately, but especially back in 2013, she was definitely, um, you know, top of the top of the top, basically. How do you think that, um, starting out around someone like that? How do you think that changed your perspective or molded your perspective as a lifter coming into the sport?
2: Honestly, it wasn't even like, I didn't even wrap my mind around like a comparison between who I am and Priscilla. Like it wasn't even on my radar that Mm. like, I knew that I had some amount of like natural talent because I was always pretty strong and the sport just kind of came naturally to me. But, but watching Priscilla was like, um, it was just out of this world. Like that's how, and, and plus not having been, ever been in equipment, it was still, it was even like leagues beyond just like, if she was stronger than me without equipment, I was like, then I I can't even like, uh, there's no frame of reference really. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I kind of, so it it definitely shaped my understanding of like what's possible, but I also was like, she's, she's a freak. Like that's, (laughs) That's, like, I, I'm not on that level. Um, for quite some time, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's Priscilla. Like, she's Priscilla.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I see this sometimes with um, when girls come into the gym and, and train beside Rhea, where it's like, you know, you have this frame of reference of someone who's lifting so much that... Like you don't have those self-imposed holy crap like a hundred kilo bench is a lot right or or maybe like a two hundred kilo squat is a lot because you have know, this person that's blowing past it so then you set your frame of reference totally different to someone mm-hmm. who is training with them by themselves or training uh, you know with a weaker group of people and mm-hmm. you know they always the old saying of like. Always be the weakest person in the gym, you know that kind of sort of thing. I, it's mm-hmm. interesting to me to to see people that come come into the sport with such a, an elite group.
2: Yeah, yeah. She was she would do even raw. She was she's so strong. Like she would do sets of eight with a hundred kilos on bench, and I hadn't even benched two hundred pounds at that point. And I'm just like, like she would hand me off, and like it, so it wasn't even I didn't even feel like a, a need to like compete with her or because I couldn't even imagine.
0: yeah so do you think um that that leads into doing your first um fully equipped meet in 2015 and then you won open worlds in 2017 Mm -hmm. and as someone who's competed in the sport for 15 years i would say it's pretty quick turnaround Mm -hmm. (laughs) um do you think anything uh like you said you're naturally uh pretty strong do you think there's anything in your athletic past that kind of contributed to this or do you think there's anything um maybe you know your training environment that kind of led to this sort of success so quickly
2: yeah i mean i think definitely like priscilla having been successful like so while i didn't really compare myself to her like it helped me understand what was possible um and so i in training for my first equipped meet um i'm like unbelievably competitive and so i wanted to win o- win nationals like that was purely what I was like getting ready for um Mm -hmm. I wasn't you know I don't know how I imagined getting there but that was like I was competing against that year it was Leanne Blinn and Jessica um Jessica I can't remember her last name (laughs)
0: O'Donnell
2: Uh, O'Donnell, yeah O'Donnell so she had come back after having a couple of kids and did this like kind of comeback meet so we were kind of the Top three in the eighty fours, um, and I, I'm just like it. At that point, I was like, I know that because I, I guess I had seen that I, I was squatting five hundred pounds pretty regularly in training going into Open Nationals. Uh, the American record was like in my sights, and yeah, it just, uh, I just I pulled two hundred kilos the first time I put a deadlift suit on, like. I've, I've only, I've only added like 15 kilos to my deadlift since then. But but at that point I thought that I could pull, I was closing in on a 500 pound pull. Um, so just doing the kind of rough math there, I was like, I could, I could win this thing. Um, and so I think, and I didn't, I, I got my ass handed to me by Leanne by like 30 something kilos. Um, but I made the team and, and still was, was still like, I knew that I hadn't really scratched the surface yet for my potential. Um, So going into 2015 worlds, I I mean, I was kind of dumb too. just like totally like not really considering the implications of like what happens in a competition setting, um, how you have to manage all these other things. It's not just about like what you're hitting in the gym. But at the time I was just like, like kind of young and dumb and I'm like, all right, let's do this quick algebra. Yeah, I'm going to win this. <laughs>
1: um, based on the gym, list.
2: Yeah, based therefore. on... Yeah, I mean, and that's really all I had to, like, as a frame of reference. So it, it works a little better raw to do that, but mm. equipped, it's not quite the same. Um, so 2015 Worlds, I took fourth on body weight. So tied with the Ukrainian who tested positive. She took third, I took fourth. Um, I had an awful day I think I went five for nine that day but I don't know it just it's it was quick to get to world championship status in 2017 but um, it felt like I learned a lot of quick lessons like right right off the bat I just went like headfirst in fucked up a lot and (laughs) and you know like I I had a couple of coaching transitions during that time too that gave me some bumps in my total like Uh, just the, the kind of novelty of changing your training style, I think, and, and getting a little bit like more refined, more refined. And then, um, yeah, 2017, it all just kind of came together perfectly.
1: So I think it's kind of interesting that like going through that quick of a progression up the ranks, like you said, you kind of learned a lot in a short period of time, what were some of those like, I'm assuming you had some pretty big like aha moments when it comes to things that you learned about uh, yourself in competition or the way the competitions run, what were some of those big moments and and sort of how did that impact you uh, as you went through this like very quick rise through things? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So uh, one thing that like almost, almost like stopped me in my tracks at my first open nationals was coming off of my, after my third squat, which was a pretty big squat um and being like super excited and then they're like get your suit off now like you're you have to be you have to be on the bench at this like right now and I'm like I'm tired like give me a second and they're like no 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 like you don't have time and uh getting me like on the bench while I'm still like kind of undressing um that experience was somewhat traumatizing
1: okay
2: and now that's almost the only thing we know anymore like competing at open nationals and competing at open worlds. Like that's just how every meet is. So learning to be comfortable in that like really uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a couple meets to get to that point, but that's one, one thing that I learned. The other piece is uh, managing my body weight. So uh, as I have grown into the 84 kilo class, um, I've learned that I need, I kind of thrive as a cutter, like cutting okay. into 84. Um, while that may make me really uncomfortable in some of my training sessions where I have to wear my like tighter squat suit and I'm like a full two kilos, three kilos heavier than I should be in that suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... So often, so many times, I was walking around at just over 84, and by meat day, I'm 82 kilos, and everything is loose, and I'm mm-hmm. bottoming out in my squats and like having a, an awful experience, um, which is actually what happened at 2015 Worlds. Okay. Um, so that's a big piece of it. So I cut now, like, and I I know it's not comfortable, and a lot of people would say it's not ideal, but it works for me, and I've kind of like figured it out. Yeah. Um. And then the final piece I think is, is managing my competitive like headspace. So uh, knowing that, so so I had watched by that, by the point that I was competing in equipment, I had been to a bunch of meets, I'd watched a bunch of lifters and uh, I just felt like it was like, you're just, you just have to be hype. Like that's just how it goes. And so I would try to like force myself into this like really high energy, like, Um, headspace and crash and burn. And it was just like, it was awful. Like it was exhausting. It was, I just felt jittery and like crazy. Like I couldn't focus on anything. And I found, figured out that like, I, there's a time and a place for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and like, I've figured out how to manage myself in the ups and downs. And uh, that has helped pretty, pretty remarkably. So, And and I manage it in training as well. Like it's not, you know, there's maybe like uh, one lift per week or two lifts per week where I have to like be hype like that. But bench, I'm like, like turn them, put on some like super quiet music. Like I just I don't want to be like that. Uh, But like a third squat and a third deadlift. Like basically that's it. If even that, just kind of depending on the circumstance. So. Those yeah. those are the main three things. And I and I like to know what's going on too, like with with
1: okay. yeah.
2: placing. And I, I like to sit and I like to be able to at least see the colors on the scoreboard. Um kind of be able to see my see lifters like if they're making and missing. Just I I just can't really live in a bubble. And mm-hmm. it helps me helps me understand like what I need to do um a little bit more to be watching during competition. So those yeah. are the I think the main things.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, I think that, that that, anxiety and arousal component of the picture, I think is something that takes a lot of lifters, maybe a little while to figure out. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you kind of have one or two big, like, let's get fucking hyped for this. And then, you know, there's like two of those, a meat kind of thing or something like mm-hmm. that or, okay. yeah, And it's kind of so in not my not back that you pocket. You need to maintain like a very low level of that kind of stuff. It's that you need to sort of budget that a bit more.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay, Cool. Um, so taking a bit of a a departure from, from Natalie, the lifter and maybe getting into now, Natalie, the coach, right? Because you, you run a coaching company called Corvus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how that came around or how you got into coaching? Um, and yeah, I guess we can just, we can just start with that. Cause it wasn't always, wasn't always called Corvus either. There was kind of an evolution with the name and the formation of things. So maybe take us through a little bit of that.
2: Yeah, so um, it's, we started, like, I started coaching in an official capacity, like, like online coaching offering services in um, early 2017. So like we launched January 1st of 2017. But I had been a CrossFit coach for years before that. And I actually, like, As people started getting a little bit more interested in, oh, like, oh, there's a local powerlifting meet. Like, I want to do it, but I don't know how to prepare. Like, I would write someone just, like, a four-week block, and it Mm -hmm. would supplement their CrossFit training. Like, it was super, like, low-key stuff, but always for free. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of, like, experimenting because I was, like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to just try to write you something. And they, you know, they're CrossFit athletes. They're always going to like hit PRs because they <laughs> they don't actually know like what they're capable of. So right. people were successful and that's kind of how I got my, uh, I became more comfortable programming for, um, for like athletes. And then t- 2015, 2016, I I a uh, a friend of mine and I started realizing like, there are just like no female coaches like where are they what's the deal here um you'd see like in a a conference being announced and it's like a lineup of all dudes and I'm like this just doesn't make sense to me like Mm -hmm. at the time RTS only had male coaches TSA only has male coaches still but like the big name companies it was just kind of like this doesn't this isn't making sense to me um and so we decided like let's well it's instead of just complaining about it and and like being salty let's fix it because we have the means to like we have the knowledge and we have the means to like start this little company and we both um chelsea and i both worked full-time and we just coached as kind of our side gigs and it went really well like it was really well received we brought on Um, we brought on a a couple of coaches and kind of mentored them and then like set them free to be coaches themselves. And then, uh, Chelsea just decided she didn't want to be in the, like running a company anymore because it was kind of like, we started putting out apparel and then people started wanting more apparel. And we were like, all right, this is getting to be a lot. (laughs) We've got like, you know, a bunch of contractors and we've got apparel and, and like all this stuff to manage. And she just kind of was like, distancing herself from it. So mm-hmm. I took, I took over the full rebrand, like basically just created a new company. Right, and, right. Um, and now I do it. And I really don't put out apparel and I just keep to what I can manage, which is coaching athletes. And mm-hmm. so uh, Becky Holcomb, who's an equipped lifter is a contractor for the coaching company. Okay. Um, so she has a bunch of her own athletes and really the, the idea was let's create a company that can put, like that can hopefully situate um, female coaches or women coaches to be at the table with the guys, because uh, at the time it felt like the only women female coaches who got attention were the ones that were kind of like um, had a big following from whatever, whatever, something else, and then mm-hmm. decided to start offering coaching. You couldn't right. just kind of like rise up the ranks as a coach uh by itself. So, um, I think it's better now, not, it's not perfect, but, um, but I think that in a, in a lot of ways, powerlifting is like a microcosm of, of general, like of society as a whole. And Mm. so we're seeing more representation, um, just in general. And I think we're seeing more representation in powerlifting as kind of a result of that.
1: Cool. Um, so where did the name Corpus come from?
2: Corvus is uh, Latin for raven and okay. um, I'm from rural Alaska where we have lots of ravens. <laughs> so Sweet. it's kind of a, yeah. So ravens are resilient and they have uh, really effective communication between mm-hmm. them. Um, and it's just like a kind of iconic, I think it's an iconic uh, bird and, and represents a lot of what I stand for. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the deal. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm with you on that. I got a big rave. Oh,
2: nice.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I know you said you, you don't do apparel, but you guys do one piece of apparel in particular that I wanted to ask about. And that's uh, a shirt that you guys sell to raise funds for suicide prevention awareness. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Can
1: you tell us a little bit about that directive and sort of what brought some of that work in that in that direction on?
2: Yeah. Um, so being from rural Alaska, it's very similar to rural Canada, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, there's just, a probably I'm assuming this about Canada and i I think I'm right that there's a high suicide rate amongst, um, especially indigenous populations. So I'm from a town 400 miles west of Anchorage. The town is a hub of, um, a 56 villages. So, My hometown has like six or 7,000 people and then just um, tribal villages all kind of surrounding and no roads in or out, very, very isolated. And I can't even like begin to count how many people that I know have committed suicide over the course of my 30 years on this planet. And it's just a huge, huge um, factor in life. In rural Alaska, it's a it's an epidemic, and um, so it's always really affected me. And I've had a couple of pretty close friends commit mm-hmm. suicide. And so when I have a platform, I want to do good things with that platform. And so um, I think about a maybe almost a year ago, I think it was during Suicide Awareness Month, I decided to release this t-shirt. So the live your dreams is this um, kind of a motto or slogan that was used for a friend of mine who committed suicide, his dad created a foundation and that's like their, that's their um, kind of slogan. And he, his dad created a foundation and and supports a lot of, he supported me as like in some of my uh, powerlifting travels and endeavors, he supports some friends who are competitive dog mushers Um, And he just tries to like basically support the young people in the community who are, you know, doing positive things. So I took that kind of created this t-shirt and have donated like every dollar to um, the Alaska branch of the American suicide prevention organization.
0: That's so awesome. Where, if you want to drop like a, A link or a website where you yeah. we can go to support
2: this? Um, I think it's, uh, I know what it is. It's corvusstrength.co slash merch. And I think it's the top, I think it's a highlighted item on the page. Okay, um,
0: and I'm, I'm going to do my best to put that in the show notes. Okay. I think I can do that.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: We can do it. Still learning this stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. you're good.
0: No, that's awesome. Though. I think that's really
1: great when, you can, when you're when you able to, to, to find something like that to connect to and, and I mean, use some of the, some of the notoriety and some of the, uh, uh, visibility to, to make things like that, um, or, or to put some into things like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. So kind of coming off of that a little bit in the female representation of coaching, uh, you've also recently launched a strength representation database, Mm -hmm. um, to increase the ability of the visibility of women in the sport. Uh, can you tell us a little about that and and kind of the the motivation behind starting it and, and where you kind of want to see it go?
2: yeah so i didn't it's not mine i i I wanted to be neutral like that's my that's my focus with it is like i'm helping push this initial kind of outreach but i don't want it to be like associated with me necessarily because i want it to take its own kind of life um i that's as i mentioned like that's kind of how i got into coaching was like create trying to create more representation in this space and actually just like maybe a month ago um Pete Spence contacted me and asked if I thought that there would be an interest in a database like this and I was like what how did you know and he's the technical guy behind it I couldn't have started this website if I tried um so he built the site which is I think it's pretty simple but I didn't even like it didn't the idea of putting it in a database uh didn't hadn't crossed my mind and so he created the site and I'm just doing like kind of the initial push and the goal I have is, is just to get it populated with enough names and get it like kind of spread around enough that it then just kind of grows on its own. Um, the first push obviously is to populate the database and get all the names in it. And then the second push of course, is going to get it to be like getting it in front of podcast hosts and, uh, like people who do YouTube videos and stuff like that, and like conferences. So like, oh, you're putting on a con- conference and you have no women in your lineup. Like, here, let me help that help you with that. Mm-hmm. Like, check this. Check out this website. What do you want to learn? So you can filter by area of expertise, by location, by what they're available for. So we've. Um, it's not necessarily to find a coach. It could be used as that, but it's more for media and to get just kind of more. Uh, more representation in, in powerlifting media and strength sports media.
1: Fantastic. And where I'm, I'm assuming that website is strength. up and running at this point yeah. or yeah. yeah,
2: it's strengthrepresentation.com. Awesome. Yeah. I
1: think we can also try to get that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anybody listening, lots of things to, to go and check out and, and to support, which is, is awesome. Um, so taking a bit of a detour or, or maybe even just a step back in our conversation here, um, talking about coaching, um, do you, do you work with a lot of equipped lifters in your current roster or not really?
2: No, I think I have had two ever. Um, and yeah, I've, I've only ever had two. I feel pretty equipped to, (laughs) no pun intended, (laughs) to handle them, but I just don't think that there's a huge demand, um, right. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bummer because I would like to apply those that knowledge and those skills a little bit more, but totally. um, yeah
1: okay, so I mean, that being said, the the two that you've worked with um, have you have you worked with them for a long time? Have you had much success or um, what's that kind of been like for you?
2: Um, one was a guy and okay. he was uh, he was not long lived and then the second one was um, a very very strong icelandic uh female lifter Mm -hmm. she's um julian's girlfriend
0: she just had
2: a baby so we got got held up because she got pregnant
0: (laughs) right okay (laughs) so
2: it's not the best idea probably to put a suit on while you're you've got a bun in the oven so i would (laughs) think
1: not i mean i don't know what the science says about that
2: (laughs) so she's she's just now getting back into the gym and i think she'll be ready to to go in the next, you know, to compete probably in the next year.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you've, you've got some experience there. And I, I, the question I had for you was, was in terms of some of the misconceptions that you think, you know, maybe people have about equipped programming because of what they see on social media, right? They, they just see like a, a tiny little snapshot of people's training of people's programming. Uh, what do you think are, are some of the, the misconceptions that people might have mm-hmm. and what sorts of lessons or ideas do you think people should maybe focus on instead if they're looking to get started with equipment or equip programming?
2: I think one of the questions that I get and Bryce, you probably get the same question. Actually you both probably do um, is do you ever lift raw? And I'm like (laughs) literally like 85% of the time. Like if you consider I train four times a week and I train 52 weeks a year And I'm only in gear like 14 weeks a year, and it's really only one session per week per lift. You know, like Mm -hmm. you did the math, like it comes out to very minimally in a like am I lifting in equipment? And I think that is one of these really really big misconceptions is that um, it's just kind of not recognizing that the majority of training is still raw. Um, So I think that's a big piece. I think that. Um, we have always kind of advertised, we being like the general equipped lifting community, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I think have, have really instilled this idea that the barrier to entry into equipped lifting is really high. And I don't think it's quite as high as we say it is, or we make it sound like, yeah. So I think, I think that, um, it's not that hard to like, like my exposure, which was happened to be two of the like, kind of the best people in the sport expose me to it but anyone could have done that anyone mm-hmm. who had a suit that fit me could have showed up at the gym put me in the suit and wrapped my knees and said all right here's 400 pounds like have you ever tried this before like no nope. <laughs> um, like well we're gonna spot you so go. I think that as long as uh, the approach like the mentality and the approach around like dipping your toes in the water is conservative and reasonable mm-hmm. I think that um, people could get into it a lot easier. So all it takes is a, a borrowed suit, a borrowed shirt that, that fits appropriately, ideally big, like, mm-hmm. you know, a few sizes too big. And just like try it for a few sessions to kind of like after your raw training, like after your main lift training, just like put the suit on and just mess around in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't like, you don't have to get into a structured equipped prep uh, right away. And so I think that's a huge misconception that, that, like I said, the barrier to entry, I don't think is as high as as it seems. And I think that more people could just like use, use equipment for fun in their kind of off season just to like get exposed to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And you don't have to, you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. Like there's like, I I've given away so many like old pieces of equipment. Someone's like, can I buy that from you for $50? And I'm like, no, just pay for shipping. Like, I don't, I'm not going to use it. Like, just take it. Um, So anybody
1: who needs stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know. So that's, those are, I think maybe the two major things.
0: I think that's, I think it's a really good point, especially like, I think it's, I used to describe like knee wraps and a bench shirt as kind of like the gateway drug, you know, (laughs) it's, it's a really easy way to get exposed to it um, and kind of get your, you know, get the taste of it at least and, and the feeling of you know even with knee wraps with a loose wrap you can probably still get you know 30 40 pounds pretty easily you know yeah. to to get a feeling of oh this is cool you know i can lift a whole lot more uh mm-hmm. and a loose bench shirt you're still going to get some some weight out of it and as long as you're being safe about it like i think yeah. i think go at it
2: i think too as uh as ambassadors for equipped powerlifting, like we have to be responsible in how we introduce someone. So like this kind of is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so instead of giving them a hundred percent wrap, like give them a light wrap and don't put them in the tightest equipment you can possibly find. Like, like uh, actually you should actually want them to enjoy it uh, <laughs> rather than getting like, you know, like getting your, get, letting your ego get in the way and like deciding to crank on their knees the hardest you've done in a year. Uh, just to make a point or whatever it is I, like I can't even right. really wrap my mind but I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people be like like oh I'm, I'm interested and then somebody kind of takes them in and just like destroys them and they have an awful experience and they like you know like nearly eat shit multiple times in a session and they're like yeah it's not really for me <laughs> yeah and I
0: think-
2: I'm like yeah
0: I think there's this, uh, like freshy hazing sort mm-hmm. of yes, mentality exactly. to it, right? Like we all went through this and now we're going to do it to you too sort of thing. And Oh, isn't it funny that the person's, they can't walk cause their knees are wrapped so tight. Right. I, I, yeah, I totally get the mentality and i I've probably been guilty of it a few times myself. Um, but I, I totally agree with like, you know, start someone out slow and let them have fun with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. And I think we actually
1: got into that Natalie a little bit on that, uh, the one that we did with uh, with Strength Culture, uh, mm-hmm. with with Eric and Omar, there talking about how there seems to be a prevailing attitude of, uh, oh, you want to equip lift, eh? Well, let me show yeah. you what it's all about, and yeah. Let's you know, see if you just can hang, like, kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we go and wrap our knees forty percent and get into our loose training suit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, exactly. On. Um, so, and I I noticed actually earlier a little. Little fellow walking through the background uh, on your on your screen there. You're you're a dog person, right?
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about Bryce. No, no, no. <laughs> He's not that
1: little. No, not that little. No. Yeah,
2: we have three dogs.
1: Three dogs. Okay. Yeah. And have you have you been a dog person your whole life?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've had I've had dogs my whole life. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So why are some people crazy and don't have dogs?
2: I don't know. I can't really imagine. Do they have cats or something?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
2: No, I have no idea. I don't I know just, those people. I don't know people like that. I,
1: I can't <laughs> count the number of times I've had a shitty day and come home and, and my dog has greeted me at the door and it's just been the best thing ever. Yeah. And every so often I just wonder how people cannot have dogs.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, my dogs are pretty out of control. Like, So we have three and two of them were mine and then Bryce has a chocolate lab and mm. mine are insane. Like I have no control over them. They're very poorly behaved. Like <laughs> I'm just <laughs> one of those. So one is so one is is bad because she's like a little demon uh, terrier mix, and no matter what I've done to try to train her, it's like it works op- the opposite. Like she's defiant, and um, so she's in she's nuts. And then the the lab mix that I have, he's the white one that we have. Okay. He has like some kind of like anxiety. Like he probably needs to be medicated for anxiety. So he's just kind of wound up all the time. Okay. So I've got like these two dogs with like really intense personalities. And then Bryce has his chocolate lab, who's like the most mellow, um, just like super, super chill dog. And it's a pretty funny combination of personalities. Like we yeah. have, yeah, we have like a. I mean, we can't walk them all together. Like it just doesn't happen. Oh, we walk, really? Okay. We, yeah, we well, and and we have we've started walking them one at a time actually, so we get more steps in because mm. we'll just take more walks during the day. That's um, good. But also because it's like it's it's like meme worthy if I if if we try to walk all three of them, and <laughs> it's probably a reflection about of something about me about how poorly behaved my dogs are, but I don't really care. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> long as you love them right
2: yeah exactly
1: have they ever been gym dogs has that ever been a no, I, I i'm guessing not your dogs
2: i'm opposed to gym dogs i'm like vehemently opposed
1: okay tell yeah. us more uh,
2: i just think dogs don't know how much dogs don't know what you're doing they don't mm. know what weights on the bar and how many times have you seen somebody like benching heavy or squatting or something like that and their dog literally like walks up to them to like get attention mm-hmm. hey, that's fucking terrifying to me Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've, I've always just been like, like if you're, so sometimes Priscilla would bring her dog to the gym, but she always kept it on a, on a leash, like tied right. up.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: I'll, I'll tolerate that. But like, I'm just, I'm. Um, it's too risky. It's true. The too dog honest. just doesn't, the dog doesn't know what's going on. And like, what are you going to do if your dog jumps on your, on the bench while you're benching and you drop the bar on yourself? Like, just seems yeah. like an, not worth it. <laughs> yeah. I think, though, Ryan, you and Rhea's dog seems like an exception to the rule.
0: Well, so, like, Kilo kilo, Kilo, kilo started in the gym. Uh, Like, so we had a private gym, and she was in there when she was nine weeks old. So she kind of grew up around it, and we've always been very... Careful. stringent on not on the platform when someone's doing a set and mm-hmm. you know, she's she's so smart but so stubborn it's it's kind of annoying <laughs> so like we'll be like get off the platform and she'll walk off the platform and like ring around the platform so like <laughs> she's not in the way but she's like you know I, I know I could be in the way yeah but yeah like we're pretty um just one paw in the corner yeah. staring <laughs> was... at you like and like she'll stop like when we are doing, when you, when doing a set she'll stop And she'll wait for you to do your set and then she'll keep walking and it's just like she knows she's not supposed to be, you know, in the way. And so she's pretty good about it. But I definitely have seen far too many videos Mm -hmm. of dogs or cats sleeping under someone squatting and I'm like, oh,
2: like Mayhar's dog. That drives me crazy. He doesn't really do it anymore. But for a while, Mayhar was like letting his dog just kind of like roam around in his garage while he trained. And the Mm -hmm. dog would be like, the dog would be like between his legs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just like, I'm like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I grew up with Yellow labs, So I totally, the the like super mellow uh, demeanor. That's just like, they're really smart, but really just, I don't know. Like, I kind of understand that personality of them.
0: Just so bullheaded
2: yeah <laughs> they yeah. run the place they know it Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's
0: funny you mentioned the chocolate lab is so chill because I had a roommate that had a chocolate lab that was like the most chill dog I've ever met in my life uh. and and now I'm like man I should have got a chocolate lab <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: so I, I actually I did a little bit of a deep dive on your Instagram and I saw this recurring bicep competition with Eric Helms <laughs> <laughs> now
2: no. <laughs> I want to know,
1: did you ever officially measure, and if so, how much did you win by?
2: We never measured. Uh, okay. Um, but it was, was a it more pose- of
1: like an aesthetics was- thing.
2: Yeah, it was a it was okay. a pose down, and it was around Dublin when we were there for EPC, and um, he was teaching me how to pose, and then I was attempting to outpose him. Okay. so he would t- he would show me the ropes and then i would be like all right watch this motherfucker and <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that went on and on what but you know whose biceps i did measure was mike T's. Oh, man. in okay. um i think it was the columbus airport and for some reason somebody had a tape measure and i was like mike
1: you've Power got lifters okay. have lots of things in yeah. their
2: bags and i don't know if you guys know but mike has guns and I've just looked at his arms and I was like, Mike, your arms are fucking massive. Can I measure your biceps? And he was just like, like uncomfortable, but also really flattered, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that sounds just like Mike, actually.
2: <laughs> I, they were massive. I can't remember what they, how big they were, but uh, I, I feel like they were like 19 inches or something yeah. He's huge. got
1: Huge gorilla yeah. arms, like yeah. big forearms, giant hands. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I, I did do that in public, in a public setting. And he was like, <laughs> like, you know, you know, like
1: so. half thrilled, half terrified. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: and also taking mental notes, like yeah. whether or not it's He's like re- the, the size, density and quality have improved since the last time he updated his spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Um, so we've started as of last week where, you know, where this, this process of podcasting is continually evolving for us and we've started this segment we're going to call gearhead. And, uh, we're going to ask you some specific equipment questions. And if there's anything you don't want to share, because it's like, some trick of the trade that uh you know is is like the (laughs) natalie secret uh just let us know we can always edit it out afterwards but um okay so we're gonna dive into what you use and why and what you like and that kind of stuff so in terms of your uh squat and deadlift suits are you stock are you custom and if so what equipment and sizes do you wear
2: deadlift suit is custom um only because like i would i would love to have a stock deadlift suit but the chest i wear a velocity and the chest plate would get to shorten the straps the chest plate then gets up too high and the the neck hole is like this big
0: um, so i
2: can't fit my ass through it so um so i wear a custom deadlift suit but um but it like the, the, I don't know if you guys know the red and I have like two deadlift suits and that's basically it. And the, okay. the red and blue one that has always been awesome for me was stock and they just shortened the sleeves and then cut the chest plate down. And it tightened it. Okay. Um, I don't somehow, I somehow I, or somebody ripped that suit. There's a cut like a vertical cut in one of the legs, like very clean. Oh. And it's like not a legal suit anymore. It's a fucking yeah. amazing deadlift suit. So I've asked somebody, I asked Scott Dobbins one time, like, could I fix this? And he's like, you could, but it would be kind of like, kind of sketchy. Yeah. 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 So that's a bummer. Um, and then the other one I have is just custom because it's somewhat easier to just send them my measurements. Um right. And then I always, like, so I basically just start big and then take them in as, as it stretches out. Okay. Um, my, my squat suit is stock. Um, and I just take the straps in mostly sometimes the, the legs a little bit, but mostly just a, a strap, uh, like a strap adjustment every, like when I get it and then maybe one more time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I wear grippers.
1: Okay. Um, and
0: then-
2: Oh, super, super cent. So velocity deadlift suit, super centurion, squat suit.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: So you already kind of covered that you kind of do modifications. What sizes would your stock gear be? We've had specific questions. People want to know what sizes people wear. Yeah,
2: that's fine. That's fine. Um, So the, the, obviously the velocity is custom. Um, the, I have this, this kind of, I'm in between on my squat suit. So I have a 38 that I can get into almost just on meet day. Um, if I wear it if I wear it at any any body weight over 84 kilos, uh I usually have a panic attack during the training session, like right. a very dramatic panic attack. Um <laughs> and it's like so, one of those
1: things where you hear stories about people cutting their gear off. And yes. those are the times where you're like, maybe this is maybe yeah. this is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> like like I'm laying face down on the gym floor like get this fucking thing off me like <laughs> Bryce is like like he has no so he's so patient because he's never experienced what I'm feeling but mm. he's super he's receptive to it like he's not he's not judging me for being like dramatic he's just like like whatever you need like I'll help you you know so that's real I'm really lucky for that but um the the squat suit that I prefer to wear and this kind of goes against conventional wisdom is a 40 super centurion. It's very comfortable. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I can like basically 86 kilos and below body weight. I can pretty easily pull it on. It's probably it's well, it's, it's a lot looser than anyone would probably recommend that you wear a suit. But I feel like when I start pushing the, pushing like the limit on my squat suit tightness, I can't fucking use my leg muscles. Like my mm. legs, I can't get them to work properly. Okay. So I swear to God. That's that so nerve cutoff thing there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. It just, it, it's not even, it's not that bad, but I started, so I, 2018 Worlds, I wore a 38, like going into that meet for prep. And then I wore it at the meet. Like my squat was fine, but it doesn't improve at all from a 40. 40 is what I wore for 2017 Worlds, the biggest squad I've ever had. It's also what I wore in at the 2018 Arnold, which is when I think I was the strongest I had ever been. I just couldn't hit depth. Mm. Um <laughs> so and then I've worn it so the only meet I wore that a 38 for was um was for in Sweden and I've just stuck with the 40 because I bring the 38 in case I'm like, if I accidentally like I'm extra skinny or like some, I just feel small then I'll put that one on, but I prefer the 40 for sure. And that's like, what a that's like what like one Oh five kilo men wear, but I don't know.
1: know. I've never worn anything that small.
2: (laughs) Oh really? Okay. (laughs) You're also not one Oh five price.
1: Oh, I was for a long time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's the deal with my squat suit.
1: You touched a little bit on modifications. Do you do a lot of modifications to your gear? Do you do it yourself? Do you have a seamstress? What's your sort of take on that? And like, maybe sort of how do you modify your suits and what do you feel like, you know, mm-hmm. we talked to some people and they're like, Oh, I like to take in the straps. Cause if I take in the hips, I can't get into position. Mm-hmm. And my take is the exact opposite of that but you know like what's yeah. what's your take on modifications what do you do and who does them um
2: my seamstress is named Bryce Lewis
1: very nice <laughs> you guys
2: you guys might be might not be surprised by this but he used to sew his own clothing like like design his own shirt yeah i'm not either <laughs> no. so i was like i need to learn how to sew and he's like well i know how to sew i made a leather jacket one time and i was like oh <laughs> so you could you could yes. sew then. yeah and he was like yeah it's probably fine so he natalie's says- just like right.
1: making check marks <laughs> yeah. on the <laughs>
2: yeah so Perfect. he so sew, he sews my gear um yeah. i've tried i'm i'm just awful like with little like refined tasks like that i i can't fucking do them um so he just he does it he does a great job so um my deadlift suit i think i've only ever taken in the hips um maybe i've taken in the straps a couple of times but that's not a go-to at all it's just a cinch in the hips and that cinches the straps down and that's enough. Um, and then my squat suit, uh, generally just the straps, sometimes the legs. Um, but I also, I did wear a TRX briefly and, um, I think I took in, I think I did the same thing with the TRX, but it seemed easier to do alterations on a TRX than a super centurion because of the, the the X, but I don't know. Yeah. we had a really amazing lady in Anchorage that everybody brought their gear to. Um, okay. and she knew exactly like you would come in and she, she didn't like look at you cross-eyed. She was just like, all right, what, what do you, what's next? You know? And like, yeah. was perfect. Um, so, and I took, I took a suit to someone here in Fort Collins when I first moved here
1: mm-hmm. and like
2: speci- you know, I like made everything very, very clear. Like, here's what I need, all this kind of stuff. I got it. I put it on they had just used cotton thread and I like just did one like stepped into the the one leg one time and the whole thing just like blew out the side and I was like <sighs> great <laughs> and yeah. they have no idea what they're looking at either they're just like what yeah. the hell is this crazy thing so it was not even worth it I just bought a sewing machine at that point that's fair yeah
1: um and bench shirt what do you like to use how do you modify it etc
2: I wear a stock f6 um, and I just modify the sleeves, uh, very minimally, like, um, so I wear a stock 40 and I take in the sleeves initially, like probably a centimeter. And then, uh, probably again, maybe like over, over the course of a training cycle, it might be like another half a centimeter, but it's just like basically right on inside the, the s- previous st- like seam, I just take it in a little bit more and tighten them up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I, I speak for the whole world when I say I appreciate the metric units there. That's good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and I think you mentioned knee wraps. Did you? I wear grippers.
2: grippers yep. Yeah. I have. Um, I can't find anything. So so Titan has offered me sponsorships, and I won't not. I won't wear anything besides grippers. And so I just tell them like I'm sorry. They've sent me. Uh, the new THPs and the new, and like their new, I think they said they're new t- titaniums, like somewhat newly designed. And I have done like a direct comparison. So, like, I take a single at 250 in titaniums and a single at 250 in grippers, and it's like twice as fast in grippers. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't justify it. Like, they, hmm. they, and, and Bryce only enjoys wrapping grippers. So, I've he, heard he's
1: got a mean rap
2: yeah it's pretty nasty yeah yeah so um yeah so I use grippers and I probably will never change
1: I that's if right. grippers just, are the best just Sorry hurts change. more makes you move faster because it hurts so much more maybe <laughs> if
2: that's if that's what it is that's fine
1: <laughs> if that's what it takes eh?
2: yeah yeah so I used a super katana for um a few years and plateaued my bench had completely plateaued and so the f6 has obviously worked fine and mm-hmm. a lot of people are like you'd bench another 20 kilos or more if you put on a super and i'm like i've tried it like it's not happening nope. i i put one on um last fall and i was like all right maybe this is it like i'm just gonna i'm gonna wear this and uh i unracked 130 and i was like nope like not doing <laughs> it <laughs> it. i'm like i i just the f6 works so much better for me so
1: yeah that's fair And do you have any idea why that would be like, does it allow you to bench more like your raw bench or like, what do you think is the the trick there?
2: Yeah. I have some theories. Um, so part of the problem with the super katana, I've, I had tried probably like five different variations of a custom, uh, not a low cut, like regular collar super katana, Mm -hmm. um, over the course of like 2015 to 2017. Um, and i could never get set up right so my raw bench was like at the time was like going like increasing significantly and that i felt like that should and i'm so new to equipped lifting at that point like i feel like this should reflect in my equipped progress and i could just i could never ever ever get set up right and then i could never get my technique right and um i i just think that the super katana with how short my range of motion is, it was just like totally overkill, mm-hmm. uh, for what I need. And all I need is like a little bit of pop and, and it only needs to travel this far. And like, that's what I get out of an F six. Um, yeah. so it's just a little spring year. I went from, uh, I hit a 15 kilo bench PR um, after like switching to an F six after like two years of banging my head against a wall and all these different variations of a super katana. Mm-hmm. And then, and then another like 10 kilo be- bench PR and still have just like taken strides forward since then. Yeah. So
1: that's a sign. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm not going <laughs> like, to mess with it. <laughs> if,
1: if that's not uh, valuable yeah. information, then I don't know what is.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then, uh, f- I think it answer to this but flats are heels for for squat.
2: I wear heels for squat.
0: Have you ever I'm tried flats or you played around with that? Yeah, I,
2: uh, they I fucked myself up really bad in flats. <laughs> um, trying to trying to switch to flats in 2018. We had I did nationals in heels. I squatted 267 or 270 or something like that in gear. And then I was like, you know what? I think I could I think my technique would be like I had some theories about how I could improve my technique and gear if I switched to flats raw into that, like so that summer and I was going to like try flats for basically worlds and uh, trained in flats for maybe six or eight weeks and uh, was the most fucked up my back has ever been uh, basically starting my Sweden prep. I was like, Oh, great. This is fun. (laughs) It was absolutely awful. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was from the flats. Like I just didn't, I, I, there's nothing else that it could have been. And I was in like chronic, I had like chronic hip and low back pain basically as a result. like, once I started squatting in flats and everything started getting a little bit heavier. Um, and then I switched back to heels and was able to kind of bounce back a little bit, but not, not very much. So
0: it's interesting you say that because I, t- I tried the same thing at, at one point, you know, I was looking at all the, the big squatters, Blaine and Ray, and they're all squatting in flats. I'm like, well, I guess I should be squatting in flats. So I did it for, I don't even know how long, maybe eight or 10 weeks or something like that. And I like, just, my hips ached all the time. Like yeah. I was never not sore in the hips. And then yeah. one day I put my heels back on cause I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. And the, my first like rep with heels. I'm like, Oh man, this is amazing. It's like, felt like I was like just comfortable. So yeah. it's, it's so funny. Yeah.
1: I've never really taken any prolonged trip down that road. I basically got flats before my first, or sorry, I got heels before my first competition. And I think just like have stuck with them. I did, I did some like side-by-side comparisons with a set at like 70% one day and was like, I don't know. So I yeah. just kept, kept using my heels. Mm-hmm. All right. Now the last question, this is a contentious topic. And we, I <laughs> ask every guest, about this but what is your hot take on reps in gear?
2: Yeah, I've heard you ask this. Um <laughs> I think there can be a benefit of like maybe some triples, but beyond mm. that, you're just wasting your gear. You're ruining it, Bryce. <laughs> 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 I think I mean, I suppose I suppose there there's a if you have a loose suit. So there's a lot of like nuance to this question though like not Absolutely, I'm not just gonna yeah. give you like one one soundbite um yeah. I think in a loose suit and like there's something to gain from doing like you could probably gain something from maybe fives in gear um
0: you heard it here first but... <laughs> Got it. maybe maybe
2: uh maybe you know but I, I don't know maybe if it's just to like get some a bit of overload like you know you're obviously going to use something that you can't do raw but it's not that heavy um Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like greasing the groove like kind of working some technique Mm uh priscilla does priscilla and larry in them they do like eights in gear and it's it's nasty nasty i can't even
1: proponents of like sets of five that sounds terrifying
2: Mm -hmm. yeah so uh they'll wear like super soft wraps like um are they called are they rpms are they tightened yep. the ones with yeah, the yeah. like the max yeah.
1: rpms yeah yeah yeah
2: they'll use those and like a you know a decently loose suit but <laughs> i'm like just i don't know i would just do it raw or, or in wraps only or something like that like at that point but yeah so that's where i'm like there i can't really wrap my mind around what that would how that would help <laughs> i could see an argument for fives but i think uh more so threes and below, but ideally like singles.
1: (laughs) So I mean, like from an athlete's perspective, obviously, I much prefer doing singles, Um, but I I did find, so as somebody coming to the sport with a raw background, a decent amount of of raw strength, and no idea how to use equipment, when I got into my first squat suit, I could get, and even to this day, I can get almost to depth with 75, 80% of my raw, of my, uh, sorry, not of my raw, of my, equi- like... of my equipped mask. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's, it's exactly that it's practicing the pattern. It's mm-hmm. greasing the groove. It's learning to trust the descent a little bit more because by the end of a set of five, you're thinking, Holy shit, I want this to be over with. So you're really trusting the suit and you're really mm-hmm. going down quick. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, for me was kind of instrumental. So it's just, uh, And I don't really necessarily have a horse in this race because obviously it's just the tool in the toolbox, but I do like asking because I think it makes for interesting conversations and it's kind of become a meme at this point. So
2: yeah,
1: (laughs) thank you for humoring
0: me. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) All right. So another thing we do every week is questions from our listeners. Uh, so we asked on our Instagram to get a few questions for you. So we'll go through just a couple of those that we got that we found interesting. So okay. um, any raw training that someone could do to prepare in any way for equipped lifting or for trying equipped lifting? I'm not sure where it's kind of going with that, but uh, yeah. Anything you kind of think about that for.
2: Like for a wide stance, high box squat. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs>
2: um, I mean, I guess it, de- it matter. It depends on like what we're wh- like what the purpose would be. So um, if we want to kind of ease into like feeling, I, I, I this isn't something I would do, but just some ideas. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you really wanna like uh, feel some overload, like potentially reverse band squats, for example, or something like that. Like, I suppose you could make an argument for like a slingshot or a ram bench. Um, but I, I don't know that there's anything like any true raw training um Off the top of my head, that I think would kind of like get you to that point, but I suppose like adding some wraps, like wrap squats for for like to the to the raw squat, um, some slingshot or ram bench, deadlift. Deadlifting is just nasty. <laughs> you, just, you just put the suit on. There's no in between. I don't. Just
0: think. put the suit on and pray. Yeah. I think if you get some of that voodoo floss and like wrap around your legs as tight as you can Super and then try tight. and yeah. squat, I yeah, think maybe. that's probably your best way to prepare for, for the Just feeling wrap of it From yeah. mid thigh up into your, <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I suppose like some suit bottoms or something like that. If you needed some kind of like modified raw to like ease into it. But
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I think it's funny. There's also, I've had a lot of people come into their first shirted bench session and then be like, this doesn't feel anything like a slingshot. What the hell? Like, yeah. this is not what I expected. So, yeah. you run yeah, that risk right? as well. Um, so, also, another one that we got from the listeners was uh, in regards to the recent Arnold things. Um, how, how do you feel uh, or what are your thoughts on the whole sort of records being wiped from the Arnold? I know it might be a bit of a, a touchy thing. I know. Are those I think you know how Ryan and I feel but
2: yeah yeah um it's it's like well I'm definitely salty but it's n- not anything within my control so I don't really like like waste my time being too wrapped up in it um I think it's very unfortunate when like in a circumstance where like this could be worked out between the federations like lifters are being kind of like brought into it and used as like a pawn in this um, kind of game. I think that's really messed up and just potentially shows uh, shed some light on where the priorities maybe lie, um, but I- I'm a little hesitant to, you know, give like a full, <laughs>
1: that's totally full
2: honest opinion. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's really it. It's just kind of like, it's unfortunate and it's, uh, it's not fair to lifters, but there's not a whole lot we can do and just hope that USA powerlifting continues to kind of fight for our lifters and stand up for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, the
0: long and short of it is, is a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. uh i don't want to be uh when will you get and i think you referred to him as medium brace uh in equipment
2: <laughs> i had this whole scheme yesterday so in the during the like aftermath of finding out that usa isn't sending a national team to classic worlds my like my initial reaction was like here it is <laughs> <as> my chance. As... <laughs> because it's all coming together (laughs) it didn't really dawn on me that he was still gonna have to do raw nationals to qualify for the team in 2021 so in this like i wasn't home when we when i found out and so i was like scheming and trying to figure out okay so in in like a loose loose suit and and knee sleeves and like a loose bench shirt and i don't know maybe not even wearing a deadlift suit like what could he total and could he win open nationals and like hmm and so I texted him and I was like you should do open nationals and he's like in August and then I said yeah and he goes that's kind of close to raw nationals and I was like oh like after I had spent like 15 minutes like just like oh man this is so awesome because I I went from like okay what could you do it what could you do at open nationals and like a quick throw this throw this meet together like what could we what could he put up and then if he had like another, you know, 10 weeks or 12 weeks to train for open worlds, like that's like big time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was all kind of a, a sad, a sad realization when I recognized that he had to do classic or raw nationals. Um, he, I did gift him a deadlift suit one time. Mm-hmm. And it was a fusion and it was one that I had gotten for myself and i absolutely hated it and I uh so I was like I think this will fit you and <laughs> sent it I gave it to him it was before I lived here I sent it to him as like a gift I think it was for winning 2017 raw nationals I was like here's your here's your like you know prize and he put it on in the gym and proceeded to like do like so he was he when you put the straps up and you can like bend over and it holds you up like that kind of position he laughed hysterically for like a half an hour standing in that position like at, at how ridiculous it was it was way too small for him it turned out um so he couldn't even like he got to the bar with like 405 like four plates on the bar and like did the most like sketchy question mark back deadlift ever and then was like all right I'm done like took it off and um I think that still that suit is still in the back of his car just like begging for him to put it on but he has very little tolerance for like pain and like that kind of like physical, like pressure that we feel and the sensation. I don't know that it will ever happen.
1: Yeah. I think we've had that discussion before.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'd like to see him in a bench shirt though. He'd, he'd have to widen his grip. He probably would refuse to widen his grip. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just give him an F6. Then he can bench yeah. however he wants. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like I've never even seen him put a slingshot on or a yeah.
1: Camp, I don't like think that. I've ever seen that either. Yeah. yeah. Too bad. Um, so another one is I think everybody's seen that uh, you know, Colorado's starting to loosen some of their restrictions and you guys are able to get back into the gym, which is awesome. I'm happy to see that. How terrible is it to train with a mask on? What is that uh <laughs> sensation like? And do you it's notice it much or is it just kind of like I'm just happy to be here?
2: It's less terrible than training in my garage by myself. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not an at home. Like I don't love training in my garage at home or anything like I never have.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was, it was pretty like rough. I mean, I, I don't want to complain about like having a full fucking gym of like <sighs> setup of equipment in my garage, but like, I don't love it. And so yeah, I, think that's, I would rather that's train in uncommon. a mask. Yeah. I would rather train in a mask in the gym, uh, with four people than in my garage without a mask um it's not that bad i was just actually uh rice did a instagram live today and we were just kind of talking to people and um it's like there are a couple of moments over the course of a two-hour training session where i think to myself like this is really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for like a for like a split second when i'm like breathing heavy and then and then i catch my breath and i'm like oh everything's fine so yeah it's not a big deal
1: Yeah.
2: And it turns out Colorado, I think that the the county that we live in is going to make masks just recommended starting like next week. But the city of Fort Collins is going to continue to require masks. So oh,
1: okay.
2: we'll still have masks on for a while.
1: So the final segment we have here for you are common questions. And these are things that we kind of ask all of our guests. It's a series of questions that we think kind of. Uh, gives our listeners maybe the the best slice of some information or some takeaway. Um, So for you, Natalie, what is the highlight of your lifting career thus far?
2: Um, I think, well, if, if you had asked me this like a year ago, I would have said 2017 open worlds. Um, Mm. But I think since then I've had some performances that like where I like knocked my own socks off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um that like i didn't that, that I, obviously weren't they were both bench only but okay. like um just kind of like i don't know surprised myself and so i think for power if we're talking like performance where it all just kind of comes together so like perfectly and that would definitely be 2017 open worlds but i also didn't have like i didn't really have competition that day i I think I won by thirty kilos or something like that. So it's easy for a day to come together perfectly. I mean, it's not easy, but that's the you know the chances of it happening are more likely mm-hmm. when you're thirty kilos up, um, and there's like lower stakes. I guess it's not low stakes, but relatively speaking. But um, Tokyo was insane. Uh, that performance, I I had no idea that I had that in me. All I knew going into it was um, if I bench the world record, I'll probably win. And I benched 192 at open nationals two weeks prior. And it was like very, very hard. And so, um, we, I had never, and I hadn't done like a competitive bench only in that way, like where we're like very serious about attempts. And so I didn't really know what we were doing besides that they told me I should plan to open, uh, heavy enough that it's competitive but it should also be like kind of teetering on the line of like basically what's the heaviest i think i could i'm comfortable with right and i was like i guess i think it was 185 and i was like i guess it's 185 you know and basically just get my opener and go from there mm-hmm. and to pull off that 202 like i hadn't i had only benched like well 192 was like the heaviest bench i'd hit that whole like training leading up to that meet and um so that was pretty wild and then to do that kind of again at the arnold um but at the for the arnold i had only done the heaviest i had gone was 200 to a one board
1: okay
2: and i was like fucking loaded like i'm not here i'm not playing around like i'm here to win money and i'm here for this world record yeah and and they were like okay crazy like (laughs) like, they're just like because i i just feel like with i don't know with a bench shirt like there's there's so much their ceiling is so high if you have good technique Mm -hmm. and um to have pulled that off was like yeah it was just i i i didn't really i believed in my ability and i said when i signed up for the arnold i told my coach like i'm I want to bench 213 and he probably was like I don't know what you're smoking but okay like that kind of thing. Um yeah. and yeah, I mean I did it after only handling 200. I think I handled 200 twice in training and it was both to like a a one board. Um and I was like I cut pretty hard for it too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Benching is awesome. Benching is really fun.
1: <laughs> I'm feeling the same way right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I think I would say that those are kind of the three that sum up like what's been really awesome. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm looking for my next kind of like 2017 open worlds being like that I'm healthy now, like things Mm -hmm. are feeling good. So,
0: so like as a counterpoint to that, what would Mm -hmm. you identify as like maybe the lowest point of your lifting career and what did you learn from that?
2: Um, okay. So Sweden in 2018 was pretty awful. Um, I, because I think part of it was that I went in knowing that I wasn't like in good shape. Basically I was, I was pretty messed up and, um, it was not enjoyable. Like I won, I won worlds, but I felt I, like I didn't deserve it. Like it I shouldn't have won. Um, and it just was hard. It was just, hard because it wasn't fun. But I, I I knew that wasn't like the end of it. I was just kind of like, I know this is just a low point and like, we're going to come back. Um, and I, I did everything right between 2018 and 2019 worlds, like, you know, stayed healthy, like did, you know, just tried to train as intelligently as possible. And, um, 2019 basically, uh, like June on, like so nationals, I was, I was in, I was pretty, like pretty okay physically. But um, June on, I had some fucking weird thing going on with my glute and uh, was in pain basically 24 seven and could barely walk like, I could barely walk like a mile. um, without having like excruciating pain in my glute, like a total spasm in my glute, pain down my leg, ca- calf cramping, like just nasty. And t- like twice a week physical therapy, just, just to be able to like get the bare minimum done. And, and sometimes not even that. And I would have training sessions where I was in tears, like because I couldn't even physically like do the work that I needed to do. In September of 2019, I just said like, I'm either not going to make it to Dubai or I have to make a change right like now. And I made this call 12 weeks out, switched mm-hmm. coaches, um, hired a new coach and basically said like, I'm going, <laughs> I'm right. making the, like at that point I said like, okay, well, I'm making the decision that I'm going and I'm, I just need to be like in the, as, as good as we can get between now and then. So, um, it was pretty rough, like just, I mean the whole, but I would say basically until like the last three, three weeks or so, I, almost like basically until, so we got to Dubai like two full weeks early. And I would say like the only pain-free sessions I had were the last two sessions I had in Dubai. Um, and it was, it was miserable, like not, and, and it started, like, I started having these thoughts of, like, how do you know when you, your peak, your, like, peak performance is gone and you've already hit it and, and you're just kind of, like, on this downward, like, trend and will I ever know, like, will I know when that point is happening and is it now? Like, maybe my body, like, maybe I just can't do this. Like, maybe my body can't handle it. And so just, like, all these really, like, negative, like, depressing thoughts. Um obviously like didn't I didn't have an awful day in Dubai but I it just it just I didn't have the same like kind of spark that I often have um or that I like to have when I compete but since then um I knock on wood am probably the healthiest I've been since bef- like maybe maybe mid 2017 um so I'm just like, but now I'm so thankful for like every single training day that I have that I'm like, that I'm performing what I, you know, hitting what I need to hit, uh, feeling good, like enjoying myself that, that it's like the other stuff is like less important at this point because I've hit that bottom. I feel like that was my like bottom point was like the last half of last year. Um, And now I'm just kind of like trying to slowly, carefully climb back up. But yeah, so I, I would say like, it's not a point, it's just like this kind of cumulative time that I was just like, pretty fucked up.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting, because I know as someone who, like, I've had a lot of injuries and like a really long term back injury. Mm-hmm. And so often, I'll cut down my training, like, all right, I'm going to shut it down, like things are feeling good. But I don't want to push it. And I, yeah. you know, I take a lot of flack for, you know, my RP8 sets not being anywhere near, near RP8. But I think the appreciation for pain-free training
2: yeah. is and it's being really hard to, to
0: appreciate yeah, yeah, without yeah. having experienced that sort of where you can't even get through a workout yeah. without feeling like you want to quit. Yeah. that it, You know, I think I really, that really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think like
1: the first time you get to a workout where you're limited because of the weight on the bar and your strength, as opposed to how much it hurts and needing to stay shy of a yeah. certain point is like, yeah,
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. So that's, it's been really, really fun. Um, this like basically this year so far. And so I, I'm still working with that new coach that I hired, Nathan Westbrook. And Mm. he like, so, so he watches my training every week and programs the next week based on my performance. Um, he's like literally only putting, weight on the bar that's like the right call it's not it's never just like oh this is the progression we follow Mm -hmm. like no matter you know it's it's always super super intentional and um i think it it's helped me a lot just kind of relax about like my mentality about training knowing that it's not just because this is the next percentage increment and this is what the 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 we this is how we've always done it for you kind of thing it's it's Mm -hmm. really like all right, I think, you know, I think you're good for three triples at 170. instead of let's just bump up 2%. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been good.
1: It's interesting to see that kind of sentiment echo some of what we, we heard from Marta, uh, in terms of how she's sort of restructured her training, she's now healthier Mm -hmm. and happier. And I think a lot of it comes down to just auto regulation or auto regulation rather, and and individualizing the program and those kinds of things. It's, it's cool to hear. Um, So who have been some of your biggest inspirations and it doesn't need to be powerlifters necessarily. Uh, it can be kind of from, from anything.
2: Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I really, really, uh, so anyone that seems to exude, um, like just kind of grit and work ethic and just like grinding out years of training, without you know just kind of unrelent like unrelenting
0: mm-hmm. work
2: ethic and so I, I don't know that I have like names off the top of my head sure. but um, just that that mentality and that kind of a dedication to something is what I've always like in in everything in my life I've always yeah. um, strived for and been like inspired by so it's less about high, you know, high performance and accolades and achievements and more mm. just about like, like how, how much will you dig in and continue like pushing forward What in whatever way you can when it's, when it's tough.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, what would be one piece of advice you wish you could give yourself when you were just starting out?
2: To slow the fuck down. <laughs> 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 um, I think that, like, we just went in kind of deep on injuries. I think that I could have avoided a lot of just uh, frustration and struggle and kind of, like, these big swings if I had just kind of, like, slowed my roll a little bit um, and understood that um, – I, well, I don't know. I My, my coach for several years was – pretty aggressive. In, sorry, that's my dog.
0: That's OK. I wondered if it was mine for a second. I was wondering if it was Ryan's, too.
2: Um, pretty aggressive in pro- his programming. And uh, and so it just eventually took its toll. So obviously, I had this quick, should, should I hold on? No,
0: that's fine. Okay. Uh-oh, I got one just... more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um we'll, we'll this like hot, this fast rise but then uh it then it bites you in the ass
1: so <clears throat> other than are we calling him medium bryce now
2: um yeah well he we can't be calling him small bryce he's he's no. 105 kilos like he's not no
1: small. no no i yeah I, I don't even see the need to like have a size descriptor but it seems <laughs> to be the going right um <laughs> he doesn't so, like
2: it other
1: than Bryce Lewis uh what is one who's one raw lifter you'd love to see get into equipment
2: uh maybe jen milliken
1: okay all right
2: so, so jen milliken uh she really like exudes that character that i was talking about that like is Absolutely. comfortable in the uncomfortable and i um i think that with and she's got like really solid technique and very consistent technique. And I think she could do really well in gear. Um, so that's, that's, I think who I would name.
0: Sweet. All right. And our last question is, do you have any concrete goals that you're aiming for right now?
2: Um, I It's hard to have concrete goals when we don't even know like when, the, when, and if we're going to have meets. For sure. So um, I would say like, Obviously, open nationals, if it happens, win open nationals, if it happens, uh, open worlds, if it happens, if we get to go, if USA sends a team, uh, win open worlds, if USA sends a team, um, just kind of, I mean, it's just the same. I feel like it's the same cycle. Um, I think that as long as I can stay healthy, um, I think that uh, I've got a big squat in me in the next, I think it's 12 weeks at this point till open national. So, uh, I think I've got a big squad in me and I think I've got a, I think, I feel like I'm knocking on the door of a 500 pound bench. So sometime we get there.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. So if people wanted to, uh, to reach out or find you where, where could they go on the internet to access, uh, yourself or some of the resources that you're creating, uh, all that kind of stuff.
2: Um, so my personal Instagram is Natalie dot okay. nine zero seven. Uh, my business Instagram is, is Corvus strength co. Um, that's it. Website cool. is Corvus Corvus Strength.co. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: uh, thank you very much for your time. I know this is, uh, this has gone on to be a bit of a long conversation, but I think it's been pretty awesome. Uh, so thank you for joining us and, um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see you again soon.
2: Yeah, thanks guys.
1: All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired@gmail.com at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.